This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. In the Smith song Panic, Morrissey asks, will life ever be sane again? Presumably he was speaking about a midweek where Manchester City don't play football. To fill the void, we've turned to you, the listeners. It's Wednesday, the 8th of March. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Andrew Detmer. And I'm Ollie Kirsch. And this is the City Report podcast. Where is going from there? Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Um, chaps, welcome straight into it because we've got plenty of questions to get through. We stuck a, a, a tweet out on Twitter at City Report Pod if you do not already asking for questions. We've had loads of we sort of put the caveat they can be city related, they can be non city related. So I'm gonna start with a non city related question, and it comes from Liam MCFC16 who asks, What's the best type of takeaway when drunk? Oliver, you can start it off. What's the best type of takeaway when drunk? I'm going to be unbelievably basic here and say a Mackey's. Ooh. My greatest ever night out meal when I got back was an absolutely revolting Mackey's. I'm talking large Big Mac meal, cheeseburger, 20 chicken nuggets, the whole lot down the hatch and can't beat it. Can't beat it. And you don't feel as bad the next day as a Donna. <laughs> what down the other end um, Andrew Andrew you know it, it's a little different in the US because uh, you know takeaway is less of a thing in the sense of that you don't walk up to places and like take it home because we don't really walk anywhere so <laughs> like you, you're trying to bum somebody who's sober to drive you to like a drive through or in these days you know you grab a an Uber Eats or a DoorDash, or I think you guys what call it Deliveroo over there? Yeah. Like one of your apps? Yeah. yeah. Um, that being said, this can be a, 
acquired through drive-through or it could be acquired via your preferred food delivery system, but it's gotta be Taco Bell. And I know you guys like Taco Bell is not a huge thing in the UK. Mm. It's not even like, it's definitely not Mexican food. Uh, to be clear, I am not saying it's Mexican food. However, there is nothing better despite the fact that every Taco Bell dish is the same six ingredients, just arranged in a different order. There's just nothing better than Taco Bell when you're drunk. I can see in Amos's face. He's got something dirty lined up for us. Go on, Amos. What's yours? So I, I, I have had some, I had, I had some thoughts about this. And I mean, I've said this plenty of times before. I'm a vegetarian. So my, um, my options are, are limited, but not, not so the, the quality doesn't decrease. I'd say ultimately, and I mean, it's drunk food and sober food, but just any form of Chinese sort of noodles, just any sort of like the stickier, the better slurping them down like a little baby with just all sorts of sauce. I mean, the, the key to sour. any of these dishes is just carbs. Like that's, yeah. it's carbs. Yeah. Like grease, just, grease yeah. for me. It's got to be oily, fatty, yeah. greasy. Yeah, you, but mm. you don't need meat. Like that's what, you know, like vegetarian doesn't really actually cause an issue. Like you just need something that sops everything up and like helps to- yeah. atone a little bit for the sins of earlier in the night. Yeah, absolutely. As for hungover food, maybe we'll do that in the uh, in the next listener question because I think we could go for much longer on that. Um, we'll pivot towards the football then because uh, we have had plenty of football questions as well as non-football questions. We'll start with this one from MCFC Ads. And they've given us a little bit of a scenario. It's like those those sort of uh, be your own hero books from childhood. I feel like I'm about to open a page on one of these. And and they say, hey, guys, assume you're Pep Guardiola um, for the benefit of the tape. All of us have much more hair than Pep for starters. So there's a one up for us. Um, you're presented with the following options for summer signings. You can only pick one. And it's an ABC. So uh Take a note of these mentally. I don't need you to write them down. But but option A is Bellingham. Option B is Declan Rice and Tio Hernandez. Option option C, sorry, is Cravacellia and Ben Chilwell. Andrew, kick it off. Um, you're in the city boardroom. You've got those three options in front of you. Almost like a, a Britain's Got Talent or American's Got Talent host, and you're picking who goes through to boot camp. What are you going for? For me, this is an easy one, and I'm going with B. Uh, Rice and Teo Hernandez, because for me, I think a back four of Rico Lewis, John Stones, Ruben Diaz, Teo Hernandez, a double pivot of Declan Rice and Rodri, and then a front four of Foden, Alvarez, Holland, Grealish. I can I can mess with that. I get why A is attractive. I could even understand maybe C a little bit, but for me, I think the the quality of Declan Rice and his proven levels combined with Teo Hernandez just basically solving an issue that we've had for all of Pep's years by giving us a elite level left back. Like to me, that's just an easy one. That's, do you know, the best thing about this question I find is that the options are so balanced and, and actually thought-provoking because you obviously have Bellingham, which is a, a, a sort of a, a perfect option for City, but it's just one player and City obviously need a, an option at left-back. You've got Cravicelli, who's a little bit of an unknown, and Ben Chilwell, who isn't an unknown but has injury problems. Declan Rice, who the jury's out a little bit. Ollie, I don't, I don't know where you're falling in on this. I think for me, I'm, I'm probably going to go see 
but with some reservations over Chilwell's injuries, injury record. For starters, I'm going to put Rice and Theo Hernandez right at the bottom. Like, right at the bottom. Like, I'm actually taking them off the table. Right. Rice, and, yeah, Rice and Theo Hernandez sounds like you're drunk. Out the boardroom. Yeah. Out, out, yeah, out the boardroom. They're, they're, they are off the table. I'm not turned on whatsoever by Declan Rice. I think he's 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 very good at what he does, but we've got Rodri. Why? No, that, that one's out the window for me. I'm, I'm, I don't think, even in the absence of Rodri, I don't think Declan Rice is the profile that we need. Theo Hernandez, good player that we know of, untested in the Premier League. I don't want to use that as an excuse. I don't want to be that guy that says, can he do it on a cold, wet Tuesday night, blah, blah, blah. But for me, we've got an option there of a player that I don't think is the right profile and an uncertain quantity. An un- not unknown, but uncertain quantity. So I'm chucking him out the window. I was torn between option A, Bellingham, or option B, Kvaradona or Karachkalia with Chilwell. I'm actually going to go with Karachkalia and Chilwell. My, my initial response, my instinct was to say Bellingham, but... The thinking here is that we do need a left-back, notwithstanding injuries with Chilwell. I think Chilwell's a fantastic player when he's fit. Kvaratskhelia is an unbelievably exciting talent. He's the heir to Georgie Kinkladze's throne as the Georgian of Main Road. Mm-hmm. So we'll have him. And we have got... I know that might leave us short, perhaps, in midfield, but we have got Grealish and Foden, who you know, we are all angling to see them in the centre of the park. And I think if we went option C there, we would without a doubt, see one of them in the centre of the park. And Rico's growing into his role in inverted midfield. Is he capable of a more advanced role? Possibly. So Bellingham, for me, I actually think Bellingham is the most likely of all of these. But if I was in the boardroom and I had these options in front of me with the money to pay for them ready to go, I'm probably going Kvaric Galea and Chilwell. Would it be an Oli K appearance without a Rico Lewis mention, would it, dear Absolutely. me? We, we know who the family friend is there. Right. Um, keeping it transfer related, I've got this from MCFC Felix, a Manchester City fan from, from Germany. Hello, Felix V. Gates. However, he asks about Bernardo Silva and Laporte. Um, the question goes, it's not looking like Barca will have the funds for Bernardo Silva and slash or Laporte. Are there any likely options for those two? Or is it a case of keeping hold of them, letting them depreciate for another year and then trying again in the summer? Andrew, it feels like we've been here a million and one times before with Bernardo Silva already. Is this season finally the last time we get to see Bernardo Silva in a City shirt? Or is the potential for him to be here come the start of next season? So... I think that at least with Bernardo, I'm convinced that if he still wants to go at the end of the season, we have to make it happen now just from a squad cohesion perspective and a settling of the squad. I think some of the reason that we've seen some weirdness in the locker room and there's been some issues is I think there's a lot of players who maybe just aren't fully happy for a variety of reasons. And so it, it's time to start cleaning them out. And Bernardo has been a great servant to the club. And I think, you know, he's got to be the one. I think the issue for Bernardo is that he only wants Portugal or Spain. And obviously Portugal's not really an option for the level of player that he is. And so that only leaves Spain and Spain really only has two clubs that in any circumstance are at his level. And Real Madrid don't need a midfielder and Barcelona don't have money. 
So I don't know what happens in his scenario. I do think something like a player swap or some kind of more convoluted option is a possibility, but I don't think that Laporte is as restricted because I think there are lots of teams that are of his level could use his talents that maybe will be interested in him that he would be fine with. I really do think PSG is a great option for him. I feel like he would thrive both in the type of team and way that PSG plays as well as Paris feels like it's a natural fit for him as a city based on, you know, what we know about him as a person. So Mm. I, I, I'm more optimistic that it's going to be easier to sell Laporte for the value that he is. Bernardo, I think it's just going to take some creativity. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at transfer market now, which is a decent guide, but by no means a sort of ironclad way to work out the valuation of a player because it, it as far as I'm concerned, doesn't properly take into account the likes of contract expiry dates, the state of the market, which clubs are buying, which clubs are selling, et cetera, et cetera. But Oli, Transfer Market is telling me Imeric Laporte is worth 38 million euros. Bernardo Silva is worth 80 million euros. For me, I sort of, at this moment in time, knowing what we know, both both players' contracts expire at the end of 2025. I sort of see them moving closer together a little bit. I, I don't think it'd be bad business for City if they got 100 million euros, pounds that is, because what I said before was in, in um, sorry, it wouldn't be bad business if they got 100 million pounds as opposed to euros um, for Bernardo Silva and Laporte. However, as we've seen in the last couple of summer transfer windows, the likelihood of that money floating about teams outside of the Premier League is pretty slim. Is there a chance these two move within the Premier League? Would City be daft enough to let Bernardo Silva join another Premier League club? Uh, I don't think Bernardo would join another Premier League club, as it happens. Mm. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, he obviously wants to move closer to the Iberian Peninsula. I think Bernardo Who doesn't? Is... Who doesn't? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's the absolutely. <laughs> Listen, I'm a diehard blue, but if I was in his position, I'd do my years at City and then I'd be off to sunnier climbs as well. But Listen, Bernardo, I think we'll have to go to Europe somewhere. Um, I'm actually looking at 538 and their club rankings just to get a quick shortlist of who the top clubs are at the moment who realistically could pick these guys up. There are a couple of dark horses in here, Napoli being one. Napoli, if they go ahead when win Serie A, they get a little bit of cash in the bank. They might be after somebody to really bolster their squad. And I or if they sell one of their many be- stars. Well, this is it. I was actually going to say that might be a little make-weight for... Kvarashkalia, right? But incomings aside, Napoli might be a bit of a dark horse. I would say more likely for Laporte than Bernardo. And I think Laporte would have a great time in Germany or Italy. To be honest, I think Laporte could play anywhere as could Bernardo. But money is a problem at the moment. Bayern, perhaps a consideration for one of them. Um, I don't think the shortlist is as short as we might think at first glance to the point where we might have to punt one of them over to a Premier League rival. There are you know, there's, there's Bayern, they've got cash, Madrid. Barca always pull something out of thin air, don't they? Napoli might be a dark horse. There's PSG out there. And then there's others as well, uh, looking at Red Bull Leipzig even. Um, mm. I, I think they are both likely to go, but I think a lot of City fans will be chucking the dummies out the pram on Twitter about how much money we get for them. And I'm sure the common uh, themes that we always seem to get in the summer will come out like Chicky's undermining the club deliberately, all of this crap, because he's he's a Barca lad. But um, no, we, we will let them go 100 million together. 
I'd probably go a little bit shorter than that. 85, 90 between the two of them is probably going to be around the sweet spot and that will fund a significant portion of our summer business. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned RB Leipzig because um, I've said quite a few times I watch an unhealthy portion of Bundesliga football and I'd be interested to see what list of demands are on Eitmerit Laporte's sort of wish list for a new club because with with Bernardo Silva, as we've mentioned, it very much feels like a lifestyle move as opposed to the football inside of things because he gets enough minutes at City, he's a key player, he's adored by the fans. Obviously, it feels like a case of him and his girlfriend wanting to move to a place where they feel more comfortable. Absolutely fine. For Laporte, it feels quite the opposite in the sense that maybe not Gillingham, but if he was playing regular football week in, week out, then he'd, he'd be happy to go anywhere. And I'm looking at RB Leipzig, especially with uh, Gavardiol, who is heavily, heavily linked with City at the moment. And I'm, I'm seeing his name pop up and I'm thinking, that's going to cost 100 plus million probably for Gavardiol. Throw Laporte in there, that brings it right down. Just one more point on that as well. I don't want to scare any Blues, but I said Laporte could stay in the Premier League. I don't even want to say the name on this podcast. I wouldn't be completely shocked if Laporte went over to Stratford. Um, (gasps) Maguire's on his way out. Lindelof's on his way out. United have known to have had interest in Josco Guardiola if we sign Mm. him. It, it wouldn't be, if United are willing to meet a price that's 20 to 30 million over what anyone in Europe would pay, I wouldn't be shocked to see Laporte go over to the red side. I'm just going to throw that out as a dark horse transfer. And that seems like a, an appropriate time to end part one. Stick around for more of the same. We'll be back in a moment for part two. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content, of course. This is the third episode of the week. Happy hump day, everyone. If you haven't already, our previous two episodes from the week already were we're looking at the Newcastle victory Monday, so just running through the, the who's, what's, why's and where's. Well, the where's was the Etihad Stadium, of course. But um, Tuesday, we did a deep dive into Phil Foden's performance and, and what to expect from him really going forward, which leads us on to um, the next question, which sort of focuses on that area of the pitch or where many people would expect Phil Foden to eventually end up in that in that position. And, and that's, of course, in midfield. Um, we've had this question from Man City Talk 98. Andrew, I'll throw it to you straight away. It goes, should we play a double pivot this season in high-stake matches? So off the top of my head, I'm thinking maybe a Champions League knockout fixture, maybe away from home in a Premier League where where the game's going to be a little bit more tight, for example, with Gundogan or Phillips alongside Rodri. Do you think it's a good idea who would you choose if not those two to partner Rodri? So for me, I do think a double pivot with the current squad makeup can make sense in certain matches rather than some of the other tactics I think Pep has tried to go with to exert control. For me, you know, we haven't seen enough of Phillips for me to feel confident that he should be the one slotting in there next to Rodri right now. For me, I think it's a double pivot of either Gundogan and Rodri or Bernardo and Rodri, because I think they both pair Gundo really well, depending on the players you have in front of them. And I think the key to going with that double pivot is playing a 4-2-3-1 where you do lean more attacking and you give the the three players in behind Holland a little more freedom 
to not worry about what's going on in midfield behind them. So, yeah, that, that, that that's interesting you say that because um, I suppose Ollie, obviously, there's been frustration surrounding Calvin Phillips, but. Does perhaps somebody like him need to be placed alongside Rodri to get the best out of him? I, I'm thinking back to that before the base started to hit in on that Bristol City away trip. The first touch of the ball or, or first touch of the game, I think it was Calvin Phillips in the in, in City's first attack, hit the crossbar with a, a beautifully struck curling effort. And obviously we, we know what he can do going forward. I'd say his best sort of spell I've seen him play football was the Euro 2020 tournament where he was alongside your favourite Englishman in, in Declan Rice, who is that sort of more traditional holding midfielder. He was playing just above him in a in a sort of makeshift eight, a little bit more defensive. Obviously, Gareth Southgate has his has his kink for that sort of thing. But do you think perhaps maybe in those high stake games where it's a little bit more tight, City are, I mean, City have been craving control all season, but when it's genuinely needed, Rodri Phillips is the right way to go. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth, actually. When I knew where that was going with the question, I thought that's where Phillips has played before and that's where he's really excelled. And I think he took uh, England's Player of the Year that year, right, with the Euros. Phillips, I feel bad for Phillips because a lot of the criticism that he's had um, has been in the context of playing that solo six role. And I think it's unfair because he has a lot more attacking prowess than Rodri does. He is a different profile of player. He's not there to carry... He's not a water carrier at number six. He has a superb ping on him. His long balls are things of beauty. He's 30, 40-yard raking passes out to the wings. Incredible. He's got a shot on him. Phillips is more of a hybrid, um, almost a box-to-box midfielder, Mm. in a sense. And out of that profile, you do need someone to cover. So I wouldn't mind Pep experimenting with that if we were going to go with a 4-2-3-1 with a double pivot with Phillips in there. Um, What I would ask City fans that are listening, just reserve judgment on Phillips right now because he's clearly not got a defined role in the squad yet. He struggled with injury. He ate one too many baklavas out in Qatar and came back overweight, as Pep said. And it usually does take a year for Pep signings to settle in. So... Relax, drink water, calm down, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Calvin Phillips next season. Yeah, I, I echo that completely. I mean, the the start he's had for his City career, I think just one of those knockbacks would have been enough to see a really derailed first season. I, even none of those knockbacks, as you say, given the Guardiola, sort of how it takes place to settle into Guardiola's team. He's had four or five, and I think the fact that he's still getting minutes is, is a positive um, because we've seen Sergio Gomez, we've seen even Cole Palmer, who we're not going to touch on today, but maybe should do in the future. They've been really sort of left out in the cold a little bit. Calvin Phillips, albeit small amounts in small increments, is still getting minutes, which I do believe is a positive. And yeah, I, I think he'll come good. I think he'll come good. And and a little bit like we were saying this time last year with Jack Grealish, obviously different player, different money, different position. Um just a little bit of patience and and we should be fine there. Right, okay, we'll start to sort of wrap it up. We've got a couple more questions before we do, though. This one comes from Perth de la Prem, which is an, a fantastic Twitter handle. Um, they ask, do you think Cancelo is re- regretting his choice to leave? It feels like he could have joined a few others, uh, a few other teams and played them, uh, playing themselves back into form. Um, as we've seen, 
sorry, I'll, I'll reword that completely. It seems as though he could have stayed and played himself back into form, as we've seen with a few others. Or is Cancelo's departure the reason others have picked up their form themselves? A um, few comments after the Newcastle game from Guardiola and, and a couple of the players, Andrew, which suggested that there was a bad egg. There was a there was a pretty nasty smell in the dressing room. That the, the door was opened and it was booted out. I think it's probably the latter of that question, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I say this to somebody who loved Jao Cancelo when he played for us. Um, I have a kit with his number on it um, because I thought he was one of the most talented players we've seen. But he is the definition of the guy that every person who's ever been on a team before that you do not want to be around if they suddenly start to struggle and or things aren't going well for the rest of the team because it's never their fault. It's always everyone else's. They're going to point and moan about everybody else, a lot like his uh, international teammate, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, so for <laughs> me, once that behavior was there, you weren't you're, you're not fixing that. I mean, just he, he burned his bridges, unfortunately. It's the type of player he is. He's left every club he's ever been at kind of in a similar way. So, you know, thanks for the memories, Jao. Uh, enjoy Germany. And if it doesn't work out for you there, we'll find somewhere else to offload you to. But I really don't want you in my club anymore. Any, any uh, arguments against that for you, Ollie? I, I think Andrew summed it up perfectly, to be honest. that We all loved Cancelo. We all loved what he offered. We all loved what he, he can still do on a football pitch. However, those pitches over the weekend of him sort of sat forlorn in the Bayern Munich training ground, sat on a ball, sort of ostracised, pushed to the side already. We're only in March. He joined at the end of January. It's the same old story. Yeah, I'm just looking at his career history now, and <clears throat> we're actually the club that Chancelo has the most appearances for, league appearances, 98. After that, it was Valencia, 74 across three years, well, three to four years. Milan, that's Inter Milan, 26. Juventus, 25. The guy seems to drop out of every club that he goes to, and it's a shame because I was well, really well aware of that when he joined, and I thought, after a year or two, he seems to be really happy. And then he signed that new contract. And I thought, Chancelo's finally made a home for himself at mm. City, despite his tumultuous club history before us. And unfortunately, something snapped and that's it. He's gone. And I would imagine he will carry on in this manner for the rest of his career, whether he stays at Bayern or whether he goes elsewhere. He'll play a couple of seasons and then flounce out the club and go somewhere else. And that's okay if he wants to be a journeyman. He could just do it without, as he said, stinking up the dressing room and ruining the atmosphere for everyone else. Mm, yeah, I mean, going back to what we were speaking about before, which clubs could he go to? Uh, I don't think the list is that big. Perhaps Real Madrid, but they seem to have enough talent in that area from the last look and last thought. And I don't know, he, maybe he's that sort of attitude. Maybe that's where he needs to go, a place like Madrid, where it caters for egos and, and you know, he can he can kick up a fuss in the dressing room and that's when like Benzema and Modric stayed around and go, shut up, basically. Uh, maybe City maybe City wasn't accustomed to that. Um, who knows? Uh, last couple then, Andrew, you can take this one. It comes from Scott Fraser, who asks, have you been able to watch Oscar Bob in the under-18s and the EDS as well when he's featured there? I think he's getting very close to some first-team minutes. He won't be far from getting in the Norwegian squad either. He's a real talent. Burnley, 
at home in the FA Cup coming up, is that going to be the time we get to see this uh, much much anticipated Norwegian link up between Haaland and, and Oscar Bob? Or, or is, do you think he's maybe a season or two off it? I think he's probably a season too early for that to be the outcome. Um, you know, he's only just turned 20 this summer. Um, and I have to imagine with all of the emotional pressures and kind of the way the season has been overall, I doubt Pep's going to bring in Oscar to make the debut. But I do mm-hmm. agree that he's very close. Um, you know, he took the step up to the EDS squad that plays in Premier League two um, last season or no, sorry. Yeah. You know, last season for the first time um, and had, you know, 26 matches, he had seven goals, 10 assists, pretty solid um, this season uh, in 18 matches so far, he has four goals. So not far off his tally for the full season and 14 assists. He is an outstanding gifted and technical attacking midfielder. Um, I think he really would thrive in the kind of free eight role that Pep creates. Um, but he also, I think, can slot in and be kind of a Bernardo Silva where he also could play out on the right wing if you wanted to. Um, I just think he's an incredibly gifted player and also has a name that is just built to uh, be turned into a phenomenal song. <laughs> yeah, um, there's no way is there only a, a lad called Oscar Bob is is anything but uh, a burly Yorkshireman who sits in the pub all day drinking a pint of John Smith's. Yeah, I was thinking it's not very Norwegian, is it? It's more vintage <laughs> mank, that, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he, he, you're absolutely bang on though, Andrew. He looks like a fantastic talent. I'm just looking at his transfer market page again and, and they're getting plenty of shout-outs if they want to sponsor us. Uh, my email will be left in the description. But um, he's played pretty much everywhere. Central midfield, attacking midfield, se- uh, second striker, both wings and centre-forward. So um, that sort of, that that proper Guardiola player, it'd be great to see him, him hopefully, maybe maybe Burnley is a bit too soon, but especially over the next sort of 12, 18 months or so, hopefully break into the first team. Um, Right, okay, final question for today's listener special then. We've rattled through a load of them and there's still a couple that we could have mentioned. So apologies if we haven't had a chance to answer them. We'll, we'll try and hopefully weave them in to the remaining episodes across this week. But the final question, fittingly, looks ahead to the next couple of weeks, Oliver. Um, it comes from Johan RM14, who says, free back-to-back wins for City. Do we expect the arrow to continue rising against Palace? How deep of a rotation do you want to see against Burnley, especially considering the midweek match against Leipzig just beforehand? Um, get your Mystic Meg ball out if you can. What do the next couple of games look like for Manchester City? It's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard because we've we've not only got questions about what do we prioritise in terms of the league and the FA Cup, because of the way things are going in the league, we can't really be hedging our bets. Um, there's also questions around certain players' form, namely one Kevin De Bruyne, uh, giving Alvarez the requisite minutes as well. Do we drop De Bruyne in the Champions League, pay him in the Prem? Do we drop him in the Prem, play him in the Champions League? It's hard. I don't know. What I expect, though, is that Pep is going to be fairly ruthless. I think if what he considers his best 11 is fit, so let's say for the front three, Grealish, Haaland, Foden, 
those three are going to be the ones that will play every game available. Um, I don't think he will rotate for rotation's sake. We're at the business end of the season now. I think if players are available and they're fit and they're good to go, he will play them. And I think he's going to have very little concern outside of tactical rotation for players' feelings. So I do expect that our good run of form will continue. Um, Palace is going to be really tough. They always give us a challenge, I think. Uh, I don't think we've, we've rolled them over too easily that many times in the recent past. Uh, but I do expect us to keep up a good run of form and keep pressuring Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, first of all, shouts to uh, Johan, my uh, City Annapolis City Official Supporters Club brother. Um, oh, football friends, football friends. Indeed, indeed. Um, <laughs> shout, out know, Johan, I, shout out Johan, shout out Johan. I think this is a a theme of this season is we've asked, like, is this finally the time that City are going to kick on, but I, I do think that the presence of certain players in the squad, and it seems also the mood in the dressing room changing, I think this may actually be the time that that's accurate. And looking mm. at the the fixture list, it's not the easiest one in the world, but you know, Leipzig at home, Burnley at home, West Ham at home, Liverpool at home, Southampton away, Leicester at home, Brighton away, Arsenal at home. If City drop more than three points across that, we don't deserve to be ending this the end of the season with silverware because we'll have thrown it away. Like we, they've got to seize this, have the mentality that we are back to back Premier League champions for a reason. We have a chance to do the three peat. We have a chance to win the FA Cup. We have a chance to win the Champions League. We've just got to buckle down and do it because we have better players and we have a better team than anyone else around us. And maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't, but that, that's got to be the way that they're looking at it. What a fantastic way to sign off today's episode. Um, chaps, it's been a whole lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. I love doing these, having the race. Reminder, though, if, you, if your question wasn't answered, keep feel, feel free to fire them across to us. We'll, we'll weave them into the episodes as we go through the week and obviously into next week as well. Um, Oliver, thank you very much. Thank you, Amos. Andrew, thank you very much. Cheers. And until next time, a big thank you from me. We'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.